Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Mark 6, 1 through 13. The passage will be on the screen for you. Or if you like, please turn to Mark in your Bible. He left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he had laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. You guys remember Dikembe Mutombo? Anybody NBA fans? Very good, yeah. Uh, he's a, he was, I mean he still is alive, but he was a professional basketball player in the uh, NBA for 18 years. And he, has, he holds the record for the second most shots blocked uh, of all time. And uh, he's, he's tall, he's seven foot two, and he's from the country of Congo. And uh, he, he did. He went around the NBA doing things like that uh, all the time. Uh, he, would, he would block a shot, and then he would go up to the opposing player who he just, who he just blocked, and like, to add insult to injury, he would wag his finger back and forth to them and you know, say, no, 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 or whatever. I don't know. And it, he, it, got, so, it got so obnoxious and so prolific that the NBA decided to give him a technical foul every time he did this. So uh, undeterred, he pivoted and began doing it to the crowd. So every time he would block a shot, then he would turn to the crowd, especially if he was in, a, in an opposing team, and he would wag his finger at that. Uh, I, I'm sure that he's a really, really nice guy. Um, in fact, I did some checking. He, uh, he, did a lot of, he does a lot of humanita- humanitarian work with, uh, in his country of Congo. But he is, he is the king of rejection, He's the king of rejection. And, and in today's passage, uh, Jesus gets, just go with me here, because I'm going to try to weave Dikembe Mutombo through this whole thing. Uh, it's going to be a stretch, but it just, it makes me giggle, so I don't care. Uh, Jesus gets a Dikembe Mutombo style rejection in his own hometown. Uh, and uh, we'll look at that just a little bit more. Uh, to this point, Jesus has been ministering in and around this, the Sea of Galilee. And you'll remember last week he was on the, on the coast. He had tried to dodge the crowds that were always following him. And he came back over to the, 
the one side and he gets out of the boat and his crowds are there and a man named Jairus comes up to him and tells him that his daughter is deathly ill and he wants Jesus to come and heal her. And so Jesus being the good guy that he is, he follows and uh, fully intent on going to Jairus' house to heal this little girl. Well, along the way, there's this woman who has had this bleeding issue for 12 years and this, this bleeding made her ceremonially unclean and she spent all of her money on doctors and she was desperate and she thought, if I could just come and touch the hem of Jesus' garments, I would be clean. I'd be whole and healed. And so she works her way through the crowd and, and finally, if, if the crowd would have known who she was and, and what her condition was, they would have been appalled. But she makes her way through the crowd and she touches Jesus' robe and she's healed. Uh, I, I, we said last week, though, that um, I can imagine Jairus's, uh, his, well, his frustration, the fact that this time had been spent on this woman who was, well, unclean. And, and while that delay was happening, a servant from his house came up and said, hey, your daughter has died. There's no more reason. There's no more reason to bug the master. No more reason to bug the teacher. And, and Jesus, though, for his part, he looks at Jairus and he says, do not fear, only believe. And he makes his way to Jairus' house where everybody thinks the girl is dead. But she's, well, she is. Jesus goes in and he heals her. And uh, that's where the story ends. Uh, it's a good story, though. Uh, you know, do not fear, believe. I, th- I think there's a lot, of, a lot of that for us today, a lot of fear around. And I think Jesus, we said last week, calls us uh, to not fear, only believe. I, I think in this story, we're going to carry some of that theme along with us uh, into this particular passage. Well, Jesus has left that, and he has gone from that area of, uh, of Galilee to his hometown. And uh, he does what every good Jew does on the Sabbath. He goes to the synagogue. And uh, now synagogues were a place where, we said last week, were 10 Jewish men gathered around. You could have a synagogue uh, and uh, had a time of teaching. But you didn't have a prescribed preacher. You didn't have one guy who got up every week and read from the Torah or you know, offered some kind of interpretation. In fact, any male could get up and, and read some scripture and offer an interpretation. And so I'm sure that Jesus, growing up, had, had done this. Uh, we think Jesus is around 30-ish years old by this point. Uh, an old man by the day standard, kind of. Uh, and so he, he gets up and, and he offers the word, um, reads a bit of scripture. We don't know what he says. We don't know what he says. Uh, but whatever it was, it was not received well. It wasn't received well. I, I don't know if uh, what's different from the previous times he's done this, I, I imagine. Uh, if it's the fact that he is uh, gaining notoriety all throughout the country because he's brought somebody back from the dead, he's healed people, he's teaching with power and authority that, that, uh, with the likes of, that people hadn't seen and heard before. So I, I don't know if that's why he's... His friends, uh, the people he grew up with, he grew up with, are, I think he's getting a little big for his britches. Uh, one of the things you have to understand, though, is that in the Ju- in the Jewish world, uh, your well, actually, in the whole world at the time, uh, where you were born into, your social status in life was important, uh, and you really couldn't travel between socioeconomic levels. So if, if you were uh, an important person, an elite, you'd probably always be that way unless you did something just absolutely shameful. If you were on the very bottom of the, of the ladder, there wasn't really anything you could do to work your way up any significant amount. And so here Jesus is. He's a carpenter. 
Now, uh, the word that Mark uses here, uh, we may limit it when we say it's just a carpenter. Uh, it really has to do with anybody that works with wood in any kind of way. And so Jesus could have been, he could have made tables and chairs, or he could have made barns or wh whatever. Who, who knows what he did? But in the day, if you were a carpenter, if you worked with wood, you, were, you, you weren't up here, you weren't highly valued, even though the skill that you had was important. Uh, you're, you're kind of down here. And so it makes a little sense that his, uh, his friends, people who've watched him grow at the, when he gets done talking, said, where did this man get these things? What is, what's this wisdom that has been given to him that, even, uh, that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of J James and Joseph and Judas and Simeon? Aren't his sisters here with us? Uh, they're saying, hey, we know who you are, Jesus. Like, we saw you. We knew that you were the goody-goody two-shoe growing up, that you never did anything wrong. When all of us went to throw rocks at people, you didn't come along. Like, we know, we, we know who your mother is and the questionable circumstances surrounding your conception. Like, we, we know where you came from, and you're getting a little big for your, your britches. There's, you want us, because of how you teach and preach and how you, the miracles that you do, you want us to give you honor. And I don't think that Jesus actually was, you know, going about it that way. But in the day, if you were a religious teacher, you, you, you had a significant spot in the community. You were valued and honored. And so Jesus, just by doing the things that he's been doing, puts himself up as someone who is, uh, well, someone who is important, more important than he should be. And it's funny, uh, they took offense at him. <laughs> like this is, this isn't just like, they weren't just like offended. It's not like you, you told her your mom joke or something and somebody got offended. By the way, I told her your mom joke to a kid one time at teen camp and it turned out his mom was dead. <laughs> Why do you think that's so funny? Because my mom's dead. Well, yeah. Well, well the, yeah. <laughs> you probably would have done. Yes, we do the same thing. Uh, this kid probably would have done what you did, what you would have done. Is he like he wasn't offended? He totally played it off, and uh, like made me feel like a, like like this big. Like it was scandalous. Uh, what I did. And, and that's, that's, the, that's the word that Mark uses here. They weren't just offended. They didn't just have their sensibilities offended. They were scandalized. Like they were, they were so upset to the point of like anger. Uh, the, the sense of the word is that like they got so upset that they stumbled into sin. That's kind of the, right, I, I don't know if you've ever been that upset. I think I have, but uh, it, that's that's, the, that's the, the vibe that's happening here. Jesus is in his hometown, and he is just doing what God has told him to do. He is just carrying out his mission of teaching and preaching and healing and bringing in the kingdom of God, and he gets rejected. It's like, it's like the townspeople, or Dikembe Mutombo, and they have just swatted Jesus' jump shot 12 rows back into the stands and have said, take that weak sauce somewhere else. Thank you. 
I think of these things, and they, uh, okay. All right. Well, he goes along, and, and, and Jesus, though, for his part, he is, he, is not, he is not at all surprised that this is their reaction. Uh, in fact, he goes on and he says, ah, you know, this is good company. Actually, this is, this is not new. This is what you all have been doing to the prophets and the patriarchs since the very beginning. Uh, the very people that God sends into your path to tell you what, what it is that you should do and how to live and, and how to be in relationship with God, these are the people that you have rejected. And I'm, I, what you did to them, you're just doing to me, and it's no surprise. Mark ends that little section, though, with this particular phrase. And, Jesus, and Mark tells us he was amazed at their lack of faith. He was amazed at their lack of faith. It just seems that Jesus expects that this is what's going to happen. And I think at a certain point, he expects that this is what's going to happen uh, to his disciples. And so uh, the scene transitions from his hometown, and they, they go about to the other areas. And Jesus gathers up his disciples, and he begins to send them out to participate in their own mission. Uh, to be extensions of his ministry in the world, to, to teach about the kingdom of God to share God's love and, and the fact that God's kingdom is coming and he tells them, you're going to cast out evil spirits. I don't know about you, but like, if someone told me that, I'd be kind of freaked out. He's not coming with them. Like, he's going. He's like, we've seen you do this. We you know, remember the whole herd of pigs thing where they ran off. We don't want to get in trouble like that. But he sends them off anyway, and, and he says, don't take very much. Take the clothes on your back, essentially, uh, staff to walk with, don't take any money and, and rely on the generosity and the hospitality of the people that you meet. And so they, they go off. I, th I think Jesus expects, though, that they're going to go into these places, they're going to go to the towns, and they're going to be rejected just like he is. Uh, because he, uh, he offers this little bit towards the end. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. Uh, so imagine as you disciples are going into a town and, and they start preaching and, and doing stuff and people in the town say, uh, no, no thanks. I can just to kind of turn around and leave. Now, Jewish practice of the day, uh, Jewish rabbis, when they would have been traveling, had they gone through Gentile territory, and they were coming back into to Israelite territory, they would stop at the border and they would shake all the dust off their clothes and off their feet so that they wouldn't bring like Gentile contamination back into the Holy Land. It's like when your kids go outside and play and they come back and like they're standing at the back door and they are absolutely filthy and you're like, no, you can't come in yet or you're going to totally trash everything and you, you practically make them get naked and hose them off before they can come back in. Yeah, I, yeah, I see that, see that hand. Uh, we do it all the time. Like, I think that's what, that's what the Jewish rabbis were doing. They, they didn't want to bring contamination back into home. And, and I, think, I, I think that Jesus is saying, wow, you're going to get this rejection. Uh, by the way, you gotta remember that they wear sandals everywhere they go, and you know what like summertime feet are like. So there's some of that too. But I, but I wonder, as I've thought about this passage, like 
shake the dust off your feet. If that's not just a little bit of like, okay, you've been rejected, like, don't worry about it. Uh, because like Jesus, these disciples are, are saying things uh, and they're doing things that, that are bringing the kingdom of God, which is not always welcome into the world because the good news for some, well, good news for everybody, some people take it as bad news because it, well, it might, it might hurt them. It makes them not want to, well, it makes them less selfish. The good news makes us less selfish and we like being selfish and we like having the things that we have. I wonder, though, if, if these two passages of Scripture, uh, side by side, uh, are something important for us. Uh, that Jesus understands that rejection is just part of doing God's work in the world. Uh, that, when, that when him and his disciples, when they proclaim the good news, that when we, by extension of that, proclaim the good news, that we're just going to be met with resistance. I, I, I wonder, like, America, we've, we've talked about this a little bit. Like, there seems to be a lot of, like, angst in the American church. Uh, that things aren't as good as it used to be. That America is, is going, to, it's going down the drains because we don't, we don't love God anymore and, and things like that. And, and there may be some, some truth to that. Uh, there may be some truth to the fact that as a whole, our culture is rejecting church and Christ. And I think there's, there's those who want to be so overly fearful of this uh, that we get defensive and well, we, we, we stop acting and looking like Jesus. I think, though, I think that this passage, I think this passage tells us this is not new. This is not out of the ordinary. This has been happening since the beginning of God talking to people and hoping that they would love him and each other with all of their being. I don't think it's a time for fear. I actually think it's a time for hope. Hope that, that the God who, well, who sent Moses to free Israel from the Egypt, Egyptians, uh, the God who sent judges to help Israel to, to learn how to live in their new land, the God who sent prophets to gently and correct the, the sinful ways of his people, the God who sent Jesus Christ to become one of us, to, to live a perfect life, to, to die for our sins and raise to new life. That, that even though Jesus experiences like the greatest rejection, they kill him, that the gospel does not stop. And that even you and I, if the world gets bad, and I'm hope, I don't want, nobody wants that. If for some reason, like it becomes harder and harder to be Christian here and now, that Jesus has already had the last word in that regard and the gospel will not be stopped. You and I, if we're going to really, really live like Jesus, if we're going to love like Jesus and teach like Jesus, then we're going to get rejected. 
and it's okay. I think I want to go back to what Jesus told Jairus last week. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Believe. Believe that the way that God has set things up. Believe that his kingdom, that that it's characterized by love and peace, that's characterized by forgiveness, loving your enemy. I just had a conversation with a guy about this actually a couple weeks ago about loving your enemy and turning the other cheek. And he said to me, yeah, I just don't think it works that way. And practically speaking, maybe it doesn't. But this is what Jesus calls us to. Uh, The reality is, is that regardless, we know the end of the story. And the end of the story is good. The end of the story is that Christ returns in glory and he he makes all things new again and all of the things that have been rejected that are good are brought back. So I think what Jesus would say to us today, besides don't be afraid, only believe, he would say, be bold. I am sending you out as the Father has sent me, and you may meet the same end as I have made, but there's resurrection on the other side of that. And even if we get rejected, no, and I think we are, some of them will do it mildly, right? Some may not. But even if we get rejected, you know what that means? That means that there's somebody else who needs to hear about the love of Jesus. Uh, Shake the dust off of your feet. There's someone else that you can tell Jesus about. Shake the dust off your feet. There's someone else that you can love in the same way that Christ has loved you. Shake the dust off your feet and continue to live like Christ lived with love and forgiveness not in fear, but in hope and in faith that the way to which Jesus Christ is calling us is the way that things ultimately should be. Let's pray. Dear Lord, it is tough. It is tough to follow you. Uh, Not least of which is for our our own sinfulness, that you call us to give up being selfish and to love others. That's difficult in itself. It's difficult to to live in a world that doesn't always accept things that we have to say or the hope that we have. It's difficult because the world is so steeped in fear and your church sometimes is so steeped in fear that we lose track of what it is that we should be doing. It's tough because we don't, we don't believe that rejection is something that's normal. But Lord, we ask that in, in your grace and in your love and the power of your Holy Spirit that you would embolden us 
to go out into our community like in the way that you sent the disciples. That we might proclaim with boldness your kingdom and its coming. That we might do that in, in our, with our mouths, but within our actions as well as we seek to truly love folks. Grant us the boldness to do that. And Lord, when we are rejected as we ultimately will be, we would ha- ask that you would help us not to be afraid, but to, to continue to believe that the mission that you are calling us to is true and right and good. Help us to believe that, that at the end of all things that you are coming to make all things right and new again. Help us to believe that rejection is not the end of the story, but that resurrection and redemption is. We humbly give ourselves to you in our fear, in our insecurity. Uh, We ask that you would take us as we are and transform us into what we should be. Praise the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.